Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Ebert from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ. Welcome to another of the 50 most relevant podcasts as over the past couple of months, you and I have gone on a journey of discovering who are the most relevant players in Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy across all the formats of the game, kind of combined into a universal list. Number seven most relevant, I've got as Max Gorn, the big Melbourne Ruckman. To help me talk about Big Maximum, I've got Tim from the Coaches Panel. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yourself? No, I'm good, man. Look, I'm pretty excited to talk about Big Maxi. He was one of the best scoring Ruckman for us across every single format last year. And uh, had it been not for one specific trade that went down in the trade period... Um, he would be even more highly talked about and more highly selected than he is right now. And in about five minutes' time, I'm keen to get your thoughts, not just on that trade, but on the potential impact of one B. Bruce could have on Max Gorn's fantasy season. Uh, Still a very um, relatively young Ruckman, just the 27 years old, and really is hitting his prime. And we saw that uh, outplay itself last year with his best AFL Fantasy and Dream Team score being a 143 against the Tigers. He's going to set you back just over 800,000 in AFL Fantasy and a touch under in Dream Team. While in Supercoach, his scoring's even better and far more superior. A 168 against the Essendon Football Club was his best. He's going to set you back at a price of 692,100. That's because last year in Supercoach, he averaged 127.5, and it was 111 in AFL Fantasy. I guess, Tim, when we we talk about Max, we're talking about a guy that last year, he reestablished himself as one of the premier two ruckmen in the AFL. Oh, 100%. I mean, he was the uh, one of the two All-Australian ruckmen, and they named him in the starting slot. He, um, we sort of talked about that in real circles for most of the season, and he was clear... Clear top two ruck in uh, in all fantasy formats. It was sort of him and Grundy were one and two, and then it was really daylight to number three. So, um, yeah, 100% he was one of the best two last year. Yeah, it's the second time in three years he's picked up that All-Australian honours, and that ruck dominance, you're right, it was so evident right across the year, not just in fantasy, but in, in a general football sense. He broke the record uh, for most hitouts in a season, which was 1,119. And he was one of the key contributing factors for why Melbourne had a surge last year, making it into the preliminary finals. It was because he was just clearly so dominant uh, against just about every other rock competitor the game up against. From a super coach perspective last year, he took his game to career high best of an average of 127 with just Tom Mitchell and Brody Grundy, the only two players in super coach to have a higher average than him. Uh, He did manage to play every single game last year, and as such, it makes the numbers that he delivered even more impressive because he had 18 scores of 100 or more last year, and 12 of them were over his seasonal average. 12 scores over 130, and a massive five scores over 150. Here we are, Tim, talking about a guy in Supercoach where you do have that opportunity to get multiple hits at a captaincy option week in, week out. We're talking about a player who can punch out big 150 scores. And when you can get a 300 score or above out of your captain, gosh, if that's a unique guy in a lineup, in a head-to-head matchup, or in a rankings, that's a great head start to winning in that match. 
It is, definitely is. I mean, he's had some monster scores and uh, and not just for a Ruckman, but for any player. Mm. So as you're saying, he's a possible captaincy uh, option or, or vice-captaincy option for Supercoach. I mean, I think he's, if you take out uh, Titch this year, being given he's injured, he's the second highest priced Supercoach player of any any line and I think third highest in fantasy, yeah. really just behind uh, Grundy and, um, and McRae. So he's he's one of those guys where if you don't have him and you come up against him in Supercoach, you'd, uh, you'd be a bit nervous, I reckon. Oh, man. And because of the hitouts to advantage, not just because of how qu- much of a quality ruckman he is, but because of the quality of calibre that's surrounding him is at the feet with the likes of Oliver, Brayshaw, Jones, Petrarca, um, just to name a few that roll through there, Viney, the, um, one of the co-captains as well. That bodes well for him from the Supercoach perspective with the hitouts to advantage. Because, you know, even if for whatever reason is a direction isn't quite exactly where you want it to be, you know that grunt and the in and under and the footy IQ of the midfielders at his feet is just going to ensure that there's that strong use of ball and really make sure that not only is the ceiling big, but his fantasy basement is relatively high because last year he only twice dipped his scores beneath the 90 marker, ensuring, yes, he's got that high ceiling. Yes, he's going to turn up most weeks. But if for whatever reason you do own him and he doesn't quite hit that usual standard marker, it's not going to hurt you or really cost you too much in a matchup, especially in Supercoach. Yeah, well, so he's been pretty consistently higher than basically is what you're saying. So he's someone you can you can rely on. He's mm. uh, always had a good score. And I guess um, in terms of 2019, when we look at it, you just want to look to see if that's still going to go the same or whether there's any reason that might change. And uh you sort of alluded to it at the start with the trade period, and it's the question as to whether or not he'd be as consistently high scoring this year is uh, Braden Proust. Does Braden Proust have any impact on him? Does he does he get a game or not? Well, well that's something I, I do want to get your thoughts on in a minute. From an AFL fantasy perspective last year, uh, if you're wondering about his numbers, 16 times he scored the ton, eight of them were over 120, including five over 130. And again, like in Supercoach, just a handful of scores under 90. I think it was four in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. But but you're right. The biggest question mark and probably the only real hesitation coaches have from starting him um, is about what impact Braden Proust will have or won't have in Max Gorn's ruck roll. I, I don't know about you, man, but just before we even discuss that, I'm still kind of perplexed as an outsider of all the clubs that were actively looking for rucks last year, West Coast and Port Adelaide most notably during the trade period. I'm still perplexed as to why Braden Proust would leave a club where he was the kind of the apprentice to Todd Goldstein, who's pushing 30 within the next two years, would be clearly the number one ruck. He then goes to a more dominant ruck, who's even younger. And I still am not sure why he made that decision. Yeah, that was really interesting. And um, almost every footy watcher who commented on it was sort of thinking the same thing. Like, you know, if you if he was going to go to any club, like he would not go to Melbourne, he would not go to Collingwood, you know. Any of the other 16 clubs would seem a better bet for him than mm. those two. Um, but look, I, I think he had a, an interview last year, mid-last year, saying he was uh, you know, a bit annoyed that he, he hadn't cracked a game yet and he ended up not playing at all last year. And um, and yet when he got traded to Melbourne, it seemed like the reason he gave was um, something along the lines of, you know, it's who else better to learn from than Gorn, which... Mm is kind of the opposite arguments. Like, you know, you want to get better by playing with a good Ruckman, fair enough. But 
as you said, the competition is harder and the time you'd have to wait if you can't beat out the competition is longer. So um, it's just going to be really tricky to manage from his point of view, I think. Yeah, no, it, it's fascinating for me. While I, I can certainly see um, the Melbourne Football Club through the JLT trialling this dual ruck strategy. And it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it works so well for West Coast. And, and I wouldn't suggest um, Vardy or Lysette um, a really pure ruckman in the sense anyway, which Gorn and Bruce are. So, But it's it's funny how this strategy, it, it worked for the Premiers, so that's what we're going to be. Yet I wonder if we'd have that same sort of conversation if the Magpies were on a little bit more luck, you know, in those dying minutes of the game because it was Grundy was the clear number one ruck and Mason was just the relief ruck, which was a bit more common across the league. I, I do have a wonder about that, but I, I think we will see... Melbourne try in the JLT. What is the impact? And could this work with Bruce and Gorn? The thing that is kind of a question mark for me is I kind of look at that Melbourne structure already and I feel like they've got all the tall bases covered. You look at that forward line, Tom McDonald and Sam Wiedemann will play those key forward roles. Oscar McDonald and Stephen May will play those key tall defensive roles with Jake Lever when he gets back from his knee injury, coming back into that side, playing on the third tall, that intercept kind of role. And while Braden's certainly a handy ruckman, we've seen him dominate at the VFL level, and and he's certainly um, solid enough as a a forward option. I just don't know if Melbourne are going to gain anything from this experiment. I don't feel like they're going to stretch sides any more than they would with their tools. I feel like they're kind of topped out already. And again, just without seeing it, I'm not too sure it's the right move for the footy club. Yeah, I mean, if Melbourne was looking to get a better backup, if they were worried about what they would do if someone got injured, sure, you can see it from Melbourne's point of view. But in terms of their best 22, um, I have to agree with you. It it would seem strange because I think... Last year, as you said, saying uh, Wiedemann and McDonald were getting sort of two to five hitouts each as, as their backup, and there's really no reason those two wouldn't still be in the team this year. So, if you're going to play Wiedem, uh, sorry, pl- play Proust, he's almost knocking one of those two out of the team to to fit in the in the squad. So, it's um it's an interesting decision if they were to play him with Gorn, because, like you said, Collingwood with Mason Cox. Mason Cox is obviously taller and. I think everyone goes back to the prelim final saying Mason Cox is a better ruckman than Sean Greek, but um, Mason Cox wasn't taking that many hitouts really mm. this this last two years compared to what he used to be. Um, so it's not like a lot of clubs may have had a clear number two ruck taking twenty hitouts a game. No, oh, absolutely not. And even if you look into Tom McDonald, while we're talking about that re- relief ruck role, which he did play well last year, there's kind of a big stretch of games once he got back into the side from injury from around about round seven um, to round 14 where he didn't win a, a hit out at all. Um, but then you look at the trend from round 15 right through to that preliminary final. Um, he, he's averaging three, four, five hit outs a game. Some games he's get, picking up eight or nine hit outs per game. And so I just worry for, for Melbourne um, if this was to be the structure that they were to go for. I feel like they may make themselves too tall because while Bruce is very good in the ruck contest and does present reasonably well overhead as a forward, I feel like it's going to make them too top-heavy and as sides look to um, get stretched with the endurance base with the inclusion of, of some of the new rule changes that have come in, many players have come out and said in media conferences they're noticing 
fatigue is setting in earlier in their match simulations, and they only expect that to open up the game a little bit more. I'm just not convinced that this is going to be how Melbourne structure up. I think, if anything, it's more, look, we'll try it in the JLT, we'll see. But right now, I'm yet to be sold on on the fact. Um, but the f- very possibility of it is there, and it is a concern for fantasy coaches. And as such, until we see Melbourne enter in round one, with or without Bruce, will probably for a lot of coaches determine whether they start or choose to upgrade with Max Gorn. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see, or it'd be kind of nice to know now if Bruce <laughs> is going to be in the round one team or not. Um, there's probably a couple of things there too. It's like, firstly, do they fit him in in addition to McDonald and Wiedemann? Mm. What happens if he plays and, say, Wiedemann doesn't? Yeah. You know, what does that mean? Is is it going to last? Is Bruce any good as a forward? How, how long would they try and sort of, um, you know, make it work sort of thing? It's, um, if he's picked in round one, it's going to be really, really a lot of unknowns. Yeah, I, I think if in round one, if Bruce is named and Max Gorn is named, I just don't know if you can start him with any level of confidence because there's so many question marks about how they're going to roll share. Um, and will he just be the relief? Will they do a 50-50 split? And given the price point of what you're paying for Max Gorn, you're paying for a guy that genuinely couldn't be considered um, as someone to put the captaincy on. When you're averaging close to 130 in Supercoach and you've got that price tag, when you're averaging over 110 in Dream Team and Fantasy, with that price tag, you're going, he's going to maintain there or thereabouts that average. And if you don't have that confidence... You just can't start him. And uh, I'm at this stage. If you were going to start Max Gorn, my encouragement would be, what's your backup plan if Bruce is named on his first team sheets? What's your go-to second ruck option? Because what you don't want to do, Tim, is get married to a, a structure and a strategy and then for some reason that player not be named or a player do get named that impacts it and your entire preseason structure and strategy is blown at one team change. Yeah, that's right. Look, the, probably the simplest way to go if you're going to do that is um, Grundy and Gorn are both the same buy round yeah. and clearly the two highest averaging or priced guys. So, you know, if you're going to have have a backup, Grundy is possibly your backup plan, albeit slightly more expensive. Yeah, no, look, I, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, the fact they're on the same buy round isn't a huge impact while you do need a best 18 on field, hopefully because it is that round 13 buy, it should give you some other avenues and options to to kind of fill it out with premiums across other lines and certainly gives you at least one week of trade upgrades of guys coming off the round 12 buy. But look, for me right now, um, I couldn't start Gorn with any confidence, so he certainly becomes an upgrade target. And I do believe that um, Melbourne, while they may persist with the Bruce experiment through JLT and potentially even early in the season... I don't see a, um, I don't see how that's a, the viable long-term strategy um, at this point in time. Again, it's purely speculation. It may actually be better for both players. We don't know, but right now, with everything I can see and read, I don't think it's going to impact in a positive sense the fantasy output of Max Gorn. And so, from that perspective, I think it's an upgrade target. Hope he gets a little bit of a dint. You pick him up a little bit cheater, cheaper as, as an upgrade target because if he's allowed to be Sol Ruck, he's a clear top two candidate. Oh, definitely is. I think in Supercoach he was uh, 22 or so points ahead of third, yeah. which is an absolute mile. Like it, It's basically if that happens again, 
you have to have him by the end of the year, whether it's a starting point or an upgrade. You know, you, you're going to need the same two rucks if it is the same two rucks, which I guess, as we sort of get around to every year, it, history says it won't be, but um, it's hard to predict necessarily this year why not, unless Bruce is the reason. Yeah, no, and that certainly could be the case. Um, seems like you're similar. It's upgrade target, but cautiously really curious to see how Melbourne structure up this year because if Max is flying on his own as a ruckman and someone like a Tom McDonald is the relief, there is no reason why he won't maintain what he's delivered. No, that's right. And look, if you have everybody fit, so say McDonald, Wiedemann, Bruce and Gorn are all fit to round one and Bruce is not picked and uh, possibly isn't even an emergency or if, if Goodwin comes out and says something like, look, we we just, we think this is our structure, then um, there's really no reason not to start Gorn at that point if you want to be a little point difference because uh, I haven't looked at the ownership percentages, but I would imagine Grundy is much higher just because everyone's worried about how Bruce it sort of gives Gorn a perceived query, whereas Grundy doesn't have it. But if you have something that suggests that that, shouldn't be a query for the start of the season, then um, you might be able to start with someone high scoring that um, most people don't have. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, well let's talk about drafts and, and where he goes. And I think Supercoach, given he's a considerably better option there than he is fantasy, and, and he's still a very good pick in fantasy and dream team, would you still be inclined to select him, um, maybe not in the opening first three, four, five selections of a Supercoach draft, but if you had, say, a pick six or seven in a Supercoach draft, would you still be confident and, and pretty happy to pick him up knowing I know what he can do and how he is, as you've said, nearly 20 points clear with the exception of Grundy better than anybody else. Would you still make that even with the question marks around role sharing? Or would you think, no, I'll, I'll wait for the second or third selection to try to jump on him? Look, that's an interesting one. I'd still have him as the number two rocking super coach. The yeah. question is at what point you jump on him. So, just to digress slightly to make this point, is um, I tried to have a look at how Goldstein went with and without Bruce in the team. Mm. And um, it's a really small sample size because Bruce has this big rep, but he's only actually played eight games. Yeah. And uh, only two without Goldstein and six with him. But the so Goldstein's only played six games with Bruce and his super coach average in that season was 77 with Bruce and um, about 103, I think, in the games where he didn't have Bruce. So mm. it, kind of knocked him down about 25 points a game, but it is a small sample size. And I'm sure you could look at other people who've shared ruck duties and so on. So if he knocks 20 points off Gorn's average in Supercoach, he's still the number two ruck. Yeah. Which is a bit scary. So I, I don't, I'm a bit like you. I, you know, I think, I think I'd probably lean not to take him with my first pick, but right. if he's there in the second round, I would probably do it in Supercoach. But um, oh, it just feels like actually, actually I might take him in late first round, yeah. Yeah, um, it feels like Bruce will play, but I doubt he'll play much because, as you've said, it doesn't sound like it'd be their best structure. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll, it'll end well um, for for that being the long term structure. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times before, and I certainly will be again. But but right now, from my perspective, I think if you can get Max Gorn, you know, in the latter part of the first round in a super coach draft, I, I think getting that and a really strong M one option potentially something. Uh, like Matt Crouch, maybe Dusty Martin is available there. You know, everyone's different at the kind of strategies or structures they want to look at through there. But I'd be very happy to like 
lock Max Scorn either late first or early second on the wraparound, and and maybe even in a you know in the mid second round in AFL fantasy and dream team. I know a lot of people are um, really concerned about the impact of selecting rucks early that it can have, but again, if he's able to get anywhere near that one ten average for you. Um, it's really difficult to let that slide to somebody else beyond you because, yes, it may balance your structure of the side out a little bit, but then if you keep letting a player of his ilk and quality and scoring potential go too late in the draft, gosh, you're giving someone a potential bargain. You are, yeah. Um, I guess in fantasy, sorry, fantasy dream team, his average is a little closer to the yep. others, but yeah. Not by much. Like I think where he's a little bit closer to the third average, which was pretty much Westhoff and Steph. Mm. He's um he's quite a long way ahead of fifth. I think he's still close to twenty points ahead of the fifth place ruck. So yeah. um even if you're not a hundred percent convinced he's gonna have a big gap over third, he's still easily gonna be the clear top tier of rucks. Yeah, no, I, I think if you he's not a round one selection in an AFL fantasy or dream team, um, unless there's um, you know a category scoring league, then then maybe in ultimate footy, then, then there's certainly something to consider out through there. Um, but yeah, if, if it's a second or third round selection, depending on where the draft is falling, if oh, I'd I'd still look at him pretty seriously in a second round pick if he was there, regardless of where I kind of found myself, um, yep. you know, on, on the wraparound. Um, mate, appreciate your thoughts today as we've talked about Max Gorn. Yep, no worries. Cheers. If you want to go and check out the article on Max or any of the other players revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, you can go and do that at coachespanel.tv. All the links are also there for how you can join our Patreon, pledge your support, and get some exclusive content available just for our Patreon members. And if you're enjoying the podcast series of the 50 most relevant, you can go and leave a five-star rating and a review to help others experience the goodness of the Coaches Panel and the 50 most relevant. We land ourselves ever closer to the top five of the 50 most relevant tomorrow. Number six is where we find ourselves and a big name for the fantasy community lands.